It is a hot topic, not only in the state of Mississippi, but across our nation. We're talking about Mississippi's abortion ban. It goes into effect in hours. Uh, it'll all happen at July 7th. That is a Thursday. And this means abortions will be illegal in the state of Mississippi. And of course, uh, some controversy, a lot of controversy really here surrounding this trigger law. And as I mentioned, it all just happened hours ago. And as we continue to follow along with this hot topic, the Jackson Women's Health Organization, well, you know, they wanted to block the state's trigger law banning abortions from taking effect. Well, a judge rules um, and that request is denied. And so it's a story we're continuing to follow along with. And, you know, to agree, uh, really, the state's law, you know, it cannot contradict uh, the Constitution to a degree, as I mentioned, uh, which is the highest law of the land. So now Mississippi, once again, in the headlines um, as it relates to abortion rights. So let's get straight into the conversation. Joining me live right here on Local News Live, two senators. Um, one from each side of the aisle. We're talking Republican Senator Joey Fillengain, and we're also talking uh, with Democratic Senator Ron Hickman from the Mississippi Legislature. Thanks so much for joining us. And um, senators, let's go ahead and get straight into the hot topic. I'm, I'm going to ask you, what is um, what are what are your thoughts following the judge's rule that uh, the, that the request is denied? Senator Fillengain, we'll start with you. Hey, Jessica. Well, thank you for having me this morning. Um, obviously, we're pleased with Judge Hallford's ruling on the res temporary restraining order that the abortion clinic here in Jackson had requested to stop the trigger law from taking effect. Uh, she ruled that based on the Dobbs case um, ruling uh, just a couple of, of days ago, you know, last week or so, um, overturning Roe v. Wade and Casey, um, that the Fordyce case, which was Mississippi's version of Roe v. Wade, um, that it had said back in the late 90s that there was a protection for abortion in the penumbras of the state constitution as well, just like um, the U.S. Supreme Court had found um, back in 1973 in the U.S. Constitution. Based on the overruling of Roe and Casey, uh, Judge Hofford said that the likelihood of success on the arguments being put forth by the abortion clinic based on similar findings in the Mississippi Constitution were likely to fail, and therefore she did not grant the restraining order. And if that holds, then the trigger law will take effect on Thursday, tomorrow. Yeah, and so, of course, uh, so many people speaking out about this topic right now. Before we get into some of the questions I have for you, um, do you agree with the chancellor's ruling? Oh, I do, 100%. I think she was dead on. I went back and reread the um, pro-choice versus Fordyce case from back in the late 90s. And just to refresh my memory, it's been a minute, and it was basically Mississippi's version of Roe v. Wade. They basically found that there was no explicit mention of the word abortion in the state constitution back from 1890, which is to no one's surprise, and that therefore the only way that they had found protections for abortion in the state constitution, again, written back at the turn of the century, was a similar finding that bodily integrity and autonomy and you know, a right to privacy um, existed sort of in the shadows of the Mississippi Constitution. It was basically a rehashing of the Roe v. Wade decision, Mississippi style. And Judge Hofford said, look, we now have a new Supreme Court decision handed down back in late June that overturned Roe and Casey. And since the Mississippi State Supreme Court had based the same arguments on our state constitution, and the fact that it's now been overturned on the federal level, she said the, the chances 
of the current Mississippi State Supreme Court finding that there was a right to abortion in the Mississippi State Constitution was highly unlikely, and therefore there was no point in enjoining the trigger law from taking effect. So a lot of residents in the state of Mississippi um, are, you know, are on that same uh, wavelength there on the Republican side of things. Um, Pro-life, pro-choice continues uh, to be debated. However, I want to hear from the Democratic side. Uh, Senator Fillingain, we're going to send our attention over to Senator Hickman here, Senator Rod Hickman, uh, because I know you have a lot to say, Senator Hickman. Join us and uh, let us know uh, where do you stand right now after this ruling was handed down? Um, good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, you know, I, I am a bit disappointed. Uh, while I will not say that the chancellor's decision was uh, wrong, uh, what I will say is that uh, this case was based on the Mississippi Constitution, not the U.S. Constitution. And I think that in the judge's opinion, uh, what the court did was it looked to what they thought the court would do. But the actual law uh, under the Mississippi Constitution in the Fordyce case is that our Constitution does uh, provide a right for abortion, not an enumerated right, but it provides a, a right for abortion. And I think until the Supreme Court uh, does what it does with that ruling, that is the law of the land at this point, and I think that's what should have been followed. However, I think anybody on the pro-choice side, we understood that that was a Hail Mary, a long shot uh, uh, pass. And so since that time, um, since, since Roe v. Wade has been overturned and its progeny, we've been looking uh, toward, you know, truly making the state of Mississippi pro-life. And that's kind of where uh, my work and my look uh, has been. I think at this point, our state laws at best are pro-birth. Um, and that's even a, a, a breach to get to. Uh, we need to really become a pro-life state and actually become a pro-birth state because it is the most dangerous state in the nation to give birth in. And so we have a lot of work to do uh, along with this ruling. So I, I hope that in a dark ruling from the Supreme Court, uh, we can get some good out of it for women and children in the state of Mississippi. And so, uh, you know, you said it was a it was a Hail Mary chance. So uh, do you think uh, constituents you represent uh, going into this? So you were thinking, well, it's probably not going to come out the way we want it to. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think everybody who who watched it understood that there was a large chance that it wouldn't come out um, the, the way that we wanted it to. Uh, you know, and like I said, I won't say that the chancellor was absolutely wrong. You know, who knows when it goes to the Supreme Court, there is a very large chance that the Supreme Court is going to say we based Fordyce totally on uh, Roe v. Wade and its progeny, and this is no longer the law here. However, uh, I think the argument that was made from the pro-choice and from the Jackson uh, Women Health uh, Organization, that clinic, I, the argument that was made is that the U.S. Supreme Court interpreted the U.S. Constitution. Our Mississippi Constitution could, and according to Fordyce, does provide a right uh, to abortion, uh, even though the federal constitution does not. And our constitution can provide rights if the federal constitution doesn't. And that the court should be interpreting that law as is. And the law of the land right now in Mississippi under that ruling is Fordyce until that case is overturned. So do you personally agree with the chancellor's ruling? 
I can't say I agree, but I also can't say that I disagree. I read the uh, opinion of the chancellor, uh, and I think, you know, I tell everybody, uh, while our courts are impartial, everyone's uh, uh, worldview and ideological view go into them interpreting the law. And I think she can interpret the law very inter uh, conservatively, um, and she interpreted the law according to who she is. So I can't, I can't go into um the, the the exact ruling and pinpoint here's where the chancellor was wrong uh, or there's where the chancellor was wrong she applied the right she applied the correct law she just applied it with her worldview attached to that and what she thinks the mississippi supreme court would do uh when i think that she should have just stuck with what the case law is currently and allowed the supreme court to make a decision of what they're going to do all right, so that hearing was held yesterday, which was Tuesday. Um, today's Wednesday, and I'm just kind of repeating this because this will be played back on our podcast. So for those listening in, I want them to be aware of the days. Uh, so it was made yesterday, the decision, the ruling came down. Uh, today's Wednesday, kind of a leeway day, and tomorrow's Thursday when the actual um, ban goes into effect, when that trigger law takes place, that abortions will be illegal in the state of Mississippi. So we're in, the, we're in between here, a really great day um, to have both of you, Senator uh, Hickman as well as Senator Phil and Gain join us to talk about this. And so I'm curious, as we continue to move forward, as this discussion continues, as many people across the state of Mississippi, pro-choice, uh, pro pro-life, are both weighing in, and it's really continuing to be a conversation, uh, we are on the verge of Mississippi's only abortion clinic shutting down, closing its doors. Um, collectively, both of you, what, have, what are your thoughts as, uh, as we are on the verge just hours away from this clinic closing its doors? Um, I, I'll, I'll start. Uh, like I said, you know, I'm not a person who uh, wallows in, you know, what reality is. I mean, my my thoughts on that is the clinic is going to close tomorrow. Uh, I think we, I think the last Hail Mary ha has gone off. And I want, I want to be clear on something that I think uh, a lot of people uh, are in, in a sense unable to see at times. When, 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 when I say that I'm pro-choice, that does not mean I'm pro-abortion. And so at this point, uh, I focus my attention again on making Mississippi truly a true life state. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm going into this thinking, what good can we bring out of this for women and children? And that is where uh, my mode of, of thinking is. Uh, the other thing I, I, I want to say is that I, I read something from the clinic that says their day is not over. What they'll be trying to do is to make sure women in Mississippi still have access uh, to, uh, to healthy, uh, well, not, not healthy, to safe, um, um, abortion. And so they're going to be seeking aid to maybe transport women who are unable to afford to go to other states uh, who actually need this kind of uh, uh, care. Uh, and, and so they'll be looking toward that. And again, we're looking for solutions. I, I'm, I'm definitely not trying uh, uh, to to wage some kind of war when the reality is a reality. Yeah. Uh, I want to provide solutions for the people of District 32 and for Mississippi. Yeah, and so we're going to get into a, a little deeper dive into your particular district, into your constituents. And, you know, you and I had spoken earlier before when the information and uh, when the, the you know breaking news happened of Roe versus Wade, when that was overturned by the Supreme Court. And so I want to dive a little deeper into that coming up here shortly. But before we do, let's get over to the Republican side. Senator Phil and Gain, um, what, what are your thoughts as the only abortion clinic in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi, where the Capitol is, um, it's about to close its doors. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, thank you again, Jessica. And, and my friend, uh, Senator Hickman, articulates very well the, the position that I think many people on the Democrat side have articulated in the past. 
I think in fairness, they view this as a women's health and reproductive rights issue. We on the more Republican conservative side view it as you know, life affirming for the unborn child. And of course, Roe, which is now overturned, even when it was in place, it was a balancing act. I mean, the Supreme Court, US Supreme Court back in 1973 said, the states have an interest, not only in the health and safety and welfare of the mother, but also in protecting the potential unborn life. And I think over the past 50, 49, 50 years, what you've seen the federal courts go back and forth on sort of a sliding scale of which rights outweigh the other rights. Mm -hmm. As medical technology has advanced and we now can see at a much earlier point in the pregnancy, what's really going on in the womb with that unborn life. I think the positions have shifted, the legal positions. I think many people's moral positions have changed as you can see earlier and earlier into that pregnancy now with clarity in these 40 ultrasounds, you know, I have, twin boys that are about 15 months old. And as early as just a couple of weeks in, you had these ultrasounds that showed very clearly what was going on with, with my two sons at a very early stage. And I think as people can see that and can relate to, wait a minute, that's not just you know some piece of tissue that can be removed with no, no problem. This is a living, breathing human being that deserves the rights and protections that you know, living and breathing born people should receive. And so I don't disagree at all with my friend, Senator Hickman, that we have got to shift our focus away from pro-choice to, you know, pro-life and become, you know, pro-child and pro-mother in Mississippi. And we've made certain strides in that, but there's a long way to go and a lot more work to do. We would admit that. I mean, just recently we've passed the largest education teacher pay raise in our state's history. Um, to make our public schools better um, for all the children across our state. Um, a couple of years ago, um, I think before Senator Hickman, maybe he's, he's, a, he's a baby and so young and fresh and we love him. But um, a couple of years before he joined us um, in the finance committee, we passed several bills to give tax credits for adoptions and for uh, situations like that to make it easier for moms who you know, want to have the child, but don't feel like they're ready to be a parent and financially can't afford that situation. We're trying to make it easier for other families to help bear the cost of the legal expense of a legal adoption in Mississippi to make sure that that child can go to a loving home that is ready and able to provide for her financial situation. So there are lots of things. I know this past session, Senator Hickman and I voted, I think together, in trying to expand Medicaid rights to you know, postpartum situations where the mom could extend her coverage to up to a year once she's had a baby. Now, I don't think that passed in our house, unfortunately, but we in the Senate have passed that bill about three times this past session to try to offer a low-income families the opportunity to have continuing healthcare coverage under the Medicaid program. So we're gonna come back and try to make sure that happens this coming year. but. There's a lot of work that has been done. Senator Hickman is absolutely right. There's a lot more work that must be done. And really the state Supreme Court, as he so well uh, articulated, will have an opportunity most likely because whoever wins or loses ultimately at the trial court level certainly can and most likely will appeal that decision to our state Supreme Court. You know, I clerked at the state Supreme Court back in 1999 and 98, um, a year after this pro-choice um, judgment was rendered. And I can just tell you, serving with the men and women or working for them, I didn't serve with them, I worked for them. Um, it's a much different group 
that sat on the court in 1998 and currently occupies those seats today. It's a much more conservative court now than was, and that's not to say right or wrong, but the men and women that served on that court compared to today's Supreme Court, much like on the federal level, are much more conservative on the whole than it was my experience um, um, back in the late 90s, our Supreme Court having worked there. Um, that group was a great group, but they were much more moderate on certain issues. Which is kind of surprising. You know, in a way, maybe, but but not really, because if you see the trajectory of Mississippi, back in the late 90s, the Democrats controlled almost every statewide elected okay, office so, in our yeah. state. They controlled the legislature um, by large margins. And um, it wasn't until much more recently that you had sort of a Republican wave that took over every statewide elected office, as well as super majorities in the House and Senate. So um, Mississippi's always been a culturally conservative state, but it was only very recently that the Republicans took control of the levers of power. And I think um, a lot of our, um, of course, our judges run on a nonpartisan ballot, but they yeah. are elected by the state as a whole or in different districts across the state. Mm-hmm. So I think you see them being reflective of the state as a whole and being very socially and fiscally conservative. So as we take a look at the doors to Mississippi's only abortion clinic, which is in Jackson, Mississippi, to it shutting down um, just in a matter of hours, do you anticipate uh, protests, demonstrations, anything to happen outside of the clinic? And, you know, we talk about it, uh, Senator Phil and Gain and Senator Hickman, um, Mississippi, they call it the pink door, right? Because uh, it's this... Uh, Pepto-Bismol pink building in downtown Jackson that's very noticeable. Uh, we see it on TV all the time. Do you think something's going to happen there? Well, I believe that the, the clinic, based on what they've said themselves, um, their press releases have indicated that should the trigger law go into effect, of course, they'll abide by the law. Mm-hmm. They won't offer any abortions in Mississippi once the trigger law takes place tomorrow, except in cases to save the life of the mother and for rape. And that has to be like a provable rape, not just a claim that I was raped, but like a police filing um, in conjunction with the rape allegation. Uh, So they said based on that law going into effect, they will have no choice but to shut down and move their operations, I believe to New Mexico is where the current plan is for them to move to. And of course, people on my side that have been working in the trenches for many years um, to pass laws that affirm life and protect life are very thrilled. We cannot see those doors close to that pink building quickly enough and for that abortion mill to be shut down because in our view, that's a place where unborn children go to die. And not where women get good health care, but where children literally die. And we don't believe that's the, the right outcome. We believe the pink on that building is essentially symbolic of the blood that's been shed by unborn innocent children in that place. And so it's a place of horror and we want it shut down just as quickly as possible. They can't go soon enough. And while this is a joyous occasion for many in the state of Mississippi, uh, it is uh, not a joyous occasion for many others in Mississippi. Uh, Senator Hickman, let's talk more about this. Uh, Let's talk about your constituents. And, you know, you and I have spoken about this before, and I want to take a look back at this. Senator Fillingain, we'll get back and talk talk more about your constituents and who you represent. Uh, But I want to talk about District 32 right now. And, Senator Hickman, as we continue to follow along with this story, you know, you mentioned, 
said your constituents, they're going to have a hard time. You said, you know, it is a luxury for some people if they have to go through with having an abortion to just pick up and head to another state uh, if it uh, cannot be done in the state of Mississippi. But you said some constituents that you represent, they're not going to be able to do that. What, uh, what are your constituents saying now? Um, um, again, thank you. And I uh, uh, agree uh, with a lot of what uh, Senator Hilligan has said so far. Uh, but I would like to add that, you know, he stated that the pink building is a place where uh, unborn uh, babies or, or children go to die. And, you know, the sad reality is the entire state of Mississippi is that place. Um, I think we have the highest or the second highest infant mortality rate. Uh, we have um, the highest rate of children born preterm. Um, and, and, so, and so the entire state of Mississippi is somewhat a place where unborn children are, are dying and not just at the pink building. They're, they're dying, um, you know, at, at, at homes and other hospitals. Um, and so, again, we've got to work on that. And one of the big things that Senator Fillingham has stated, you know, uh, uh, there, there, there was a bill that we passed out of the Senate um, two or three times during session that we both agree on. We need to do that. But I also think, you know, the, the ugly buzzword, we need to expand uh, Medicaid and Medicare because the true reality is a lot of women don't find out that they're pregnant until it's too late. Um, a lot of women don't find out that they're pregnant, you know, until on into their pregnancy. And this is time where they could have been getting prenatal care. But if they had already had health care, they would be going to see their physician regularly and they would know these things are coming along. Uh, but specifically for the, the citizens of District 32, again, um, I want to say that I think a lot of times when we're having these conversations, it becomes very easy for us to think uh, that, you know, women are just getting pregnant and going having abortions as if it is. Uh, some sort of, uh, you know, thing that women do. I think that most women who are placed into this uh, situation make a very calculated, a very uh, a painstaking decision uh, to do this. And I can't speak for everyone. I also can say uh, that there is 0% chance that I will ever have to make a decision like that. And my whole uh, 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 take on abortion and abortion bans is that I don't think I have the right to regulate women's body when they experience something that I will never experience. Uh, there's a 0% chance that I'll ever experience a pregnancy or that I'll ever experience a situation where I may uh, be put in a situation where I need an abortion. But I represent a rural part of Mississippi. Uh, uh, a lot of my constituents, not all, um, are of a lower socioeconomic in uh, 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 background. And what's going to happen to people like that is they won't have the luxury to travel to other states. They won't have the luxury uh, to access uh, uh, abortion if, if it's a case where it's necessary. And the issue is, I think a lot of people are placed in a situation where they can't afford to take the time off work. They can't afford um, to provide for another uh, mouth in, in their household and in their home. Um, and some people have just had horrible pregnancies before where they were bedridden yeah. and they can't afford to go through that again. And these people are making these decisions based on the fact that they're already poor people. I can't afford to do this. And so they can't afford to buy a plane ticket to New Mexico or they can't afford to go to these uh, other places. Again, I think we need to stop dehumanizing women who have abortion because most of these people are not just, oh my God, I want to kill a baby. It's I'm placed in a situation where I absolutely 
am not in a situation where I can have this child uh, and provide a life that this child needs. And so I'm making a decision that's very painstaking. And I've talked to people who've had to make that decision. And some of them are, are, are feel like I made the right decision, but it's still a hurtful decision even months and months and months later. Uh, and so I think that a lot of people in rural Mississippi and a lot of people of lower socioeconomic status uh, will be people who won't be able to have access to uh, this abortion and they will perpetuate a system. You know, oftentimes people talk about uh, uh, people who are on welfare, who are using the system. We will keep perpetuating uh, perpetuating a system where we will have to continue to do that. Uh, and children just won't live, you know, the best lives that they should. And I think this carries on into adulthood. And that's why I think when we're talking about this, we can't just talk about uh, 12 months after someone has had a baby. These things, you know, when you're born into a situation where you're unwanted, these hurts still on and they 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 stay with a person for the rest of their lives. And we, I think a lot of people on the conservative side have said, well, you can put your baby up for adoption. We want to make laws where you can turn your baby over. But a lot of people who go through these processes, uh, this is still just as hurtful uh, for some of the mothers as if they had had an abortion. And then some of the children who go through these processes, they never get over uh, those type of things either. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. And, and one of the things I like that Senator Fillingham said, even with Roe, v and, with Roe v. Wade, it was a weighing, it was a balancing scale. And this is difficult to weigh. And to be honest, I, I don't like being in a situation where I have to weigh these things or where these things come apart. But it's a part of the public service that we've chosen and that, that's kind of where we are. Yeah, and so I'm curious, have any of your constituents reached out to you concerned? I've had I've had constituents reach out to me on both sides. While I'm in a squarely Democratic district, uh -huh. uh, you do have um, you know Republicans and conservative people that live uh, within my district, and you also have a large constituency of people who are blue Democrats, but they're also uh, socially conservative. And and I will say this: I I grew up Pentecostal. I still attend my Pentecostal church. I'm I'm actually uh, Pentecostal, and personally. I have a different view of abortion than than I think a lot of people who are on the pro-life side. But again, that stems from, I think it's a very personal decision, just like religion is a personal decision. And I don't think I have the right to regulate women's body. And that is where my, uh, so I've heard, I said all that today, I've heard from both sides, but I have heard people who are very devastated um, and, and people who have had to uh, uh, go through the process to have an abortion and people who uh, happen are just saying, you know, they don't know, uh, you know, where this is going and what their options are. And I think more people more so that I've heard from, I've heard from some constituents who says, yes, this is a bad decision. Uh, we can, you know, we're going to do what we need to do from this point. But a lot of people are concerned about the direction of the Supreme Court in general and what are the laws uh, they're coming for next because this has been a very active court who has been reaching for uh, things that the court in recent years has avoided reaching for. Yeah, great point there. Some strong words. And I want to mention for our viewers uh, who are watching in with us right now, um, as the state of Mississippi, you know, we're talking about districts. Obviously, um, Senator Hickman represents District 32. And for those who are not familiar, and uh, Senator Hickman, I'll kind of let you describe a little more than myself, but not quite North Mississippi, um, but a little more north than central Mississippi um, to the east side, right, is where your, where your rural counties are that you represent? Yes, what I typically tell people is my district spans, we're right on the Alabama line where I live. If I leave my house and drive probably about uh, 10 to 15 miles, I'll be in Alabama. Um, but we are 
north central. We're a little too far south to be considered North Mississippi, but we're about the highest point that you can still consider Central Mississippi, right on the Alabama line there. So that is that is where we're located. I, I represent uh, parts of Knox City County, parts of Winston County, parts of Lauderdale County, and all of Kemper County. And all of Kemper County. And uh, as we continue to talk about the impacts that uh, constituents, residents in the state of Mississippi are, are, you know, what they're feeling right now, what they're saying to their elected officials, I want to bring back in Senator Fillingain. And Senator Fillingain, who represents District 41, and as you talk about your constituents, what are you hearing from them, Senator Fillingain? Yeah, thanks, Jessica. Well, my district um, is basically um, all of Jefferson Davis. Covington and Smith counties, and then a portion where I live of Lamar County, which is just west of Hattiesburg. If people are familiar with the University of Southern Mississippi, we're just west of that. Um, so I'm hearing from a lot of my constituents who are very thankful. Um, they've been very supportive of my efforts. And of course, they've sent me back a number of times. And I've not hidden the ball with my constituents. Um, I've, I've told them from the very outset that I was uh, you know, pro-life conservative and they've chosen to send me back uh, now six times. So I'm, I'm very thankful for my constituents. No, not all of them, like Senator Hickman was saying, you don't have a, a monolithic you know, feel across the entire district. I have you know, certainly uh, some very liberal Democrats that live in my mm -hmm. district that are furious about what the U.S. Supreme Court has done. They're not happy with the votes I've made on the life issue. But I would say the overwhelming majority of my district and it's a more or less rural, very conservative um, district. And they've been very, very thankful um, for this recent development. And just to piggyback on a few things that my friend Senator Hickman was saying earlier, um, the women that feel you know harmed or is hurt having to put their child up for adoption as, as having to have the abortion, I'll tell you who's not um, as hurt in that scenario and that's the unborn child. The unborn child that is put up for adoption has an opportunity to live her life and she can live it to God's given full potential. And is that going to be a perfect situation? Of course not. None of us live in a perfect situation, but the opportunity to, to live, to grow up, to get educated, to be who God made you to be, that option shouldn't be taken from you before you even have a chance to be born. And that's where we differentiate um, I'm pro-life. I think my friend Senator Hickman is probably more pro-life than he's actually able to vote and admit based on his district, but that's for him to decide. I just know him. He's a wonderful, caring, compassionate person, and he is life-affirming, that's for sure. And I think that's where many of my constituents are, even if they wear the, the name or the moniker of Democrat in my district, most of them are extremely conservative on a social basis. Some of my most conservative constituents are my African-American members. They're extremely socially conservative. They're church going. They attend the church way more often than many of my white constituents do. And so they're some of the strongest pro-life people in person that I talk with. And I'll just tell you that um, the infant mortality rate in Mississippi is far too high. I think that the rate is 8.8 .8 deaths per thousand live births. But I will tell you that the percentage of children coming out of that abortion clinic is zero. So yes, our infant mortality rate is far too high in comparison to our neighboring states and surrounding states. And we've got to continue to work to improve that. But there's really no comparison between the mortality rates of children that go into that abortion clinic in Jackson that never come out of it alive 
versus 8.8 per thousand live births in Mississippi of children that, that pass away. So this, there's just really no comparison there. Yeah, and this is why we love having both of you on uh, from both sides of the aisle just to talk about this and uh, give your vantage point. Because, again, uh, this conversation, uh, it's been going on for months. And, of course, people are saying, hey, this is a conversation that's lasted uh, for weeks. No, this conversation has lasted for years. And I say that with the heartbeat bill. Um, I know it went through uh, the Mississippi legislature um, numerous, numerous times. Uh, finally, passed in 2019, uh, Governor Phil Bryant signed it into law. I correct uh, Senator Fillingane on that. Um, so again, this has been a conversation that has continued. And I want to talk about here, um, I know Senator uh, Hickman standing by there may want to rebuttal what you had to say there about his uh, voting. But as we continue to follow along with this, I want to mention minority women. And, you know, Senator Fillingane, um, Senator Hickman just spoke about uh, some people that he represents, his constituents in rural part is, uh, parts of Mississippi saying, hey, I don't have the luxury to go to a different state if I, in fact, need an abortion. Um, what do you have to say? to that that's very true i think a lot of women that um, even post row and post Dobbs and post fordyce in mississippi that find themselves in a situation where for whatever reason they want to terminate the pregnancy they want to have an abortion their options are going to be much more limited after today than before today uh, the abortion clinic presumably will shut its doors and no longer take patients and so you're either going to have to travel to a state that does allow for that. And quite honestly, most of our neighboring states um, currently also have trigger laws. So Texas, I believe, um, in Alabama, um, and I think Arkansas um, all have trigger laws that are taking effect just like Mississippi's is tomorrow. I think Louisiana, um, right next door to us, more on the, the western side, they have a trigger law, but it's currently stayed in a court proceeding. So for a time, Mississippi women may try to travel across the state line to Louisiana, but my assumption is, I know that's being contested in court and that should probably be overturned fairly shortly and their trigger ban will go into effect. Now, most of us know that over 50% of, of abortions that take place in 2022 are what's called chemical or you know, medication abortions. So that's where you get um, a teledoc on, online and they say, yes, you need an abortion or you want an abortion and I'm going to prescribe the chemicals that you need to, to take in the privacy of your home to induce this abortion. I think the current rate is about 52 to 54% of all abortions in the country now are chemical abortions. So the question arises as to states like Mississippi's that are going to say starting tomorrow that an abortion, except in the cases of rape, and to save the life of the mother are no longer legal, what does that do to chemical or medication abortions that can be shipped in from out of state to your home and you take those and then you have the abortion in the privacy of your own home? And so we're talking, we you're talking about plan B and the morning after pill, right? That you can get on the shelves at any um, CVS, Walgreens, is that what you're referring to? Well, there's also a prescription okay. version of that, but it's, it's essentially, there's the morning after version that has to be taken very quickly mm -hmm. after conception. But then there's also a more late-term Medicaid, me medical or chemical abortion that can be taken, I think, up to about 15 or 16 weeks. And you can do that at home. So a lot of states that um, are now banning most or all abortions, many of the Planned Parenthood groups and the pro-choice groups are trying to make it available where you could sit in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and order this um, chemical abortion via a teledoc 
appointment from out of state. That raises some questions. I think the Attorney General's office is going to look into this very carefully. And of course, it will ultimately probably end up in legislation, which is to say, if it's illegal to have an abortion in Mississippi, except in cases of, of rape or to save the life of the mother, is it also illegal to have a teledoc sitting in Boston prescribing a chemical abortion to a woman sitting in the confines of the state of Mississippi? And if it's illegal to have those, then is it also illegal for the company to you know, send that overnight to the woman in Mississippi? Can that be stopped? Is there a way of, of monitoring that? Those are all open questions that I think will beg an answer here very shortly. Yeah, definitely very shortly. An interesting point that you bring up there. But I want to circle back around to the question that uh, we did kind of ask at the beginning. Do you feel for those women uh, in the rural parts of Mississippi who don't have the luxury um, to go to Mississippi's only abortion clinic beginning tomorrow? I feel for the unborn children that um, whose lives will be saved because that abortion clinic will no longer be able to take their life. That's who I feel for. And so do you feel this fight continuing in the in the Mississippi legislature? Do you see it uh, coming up uh, whenever session begins? As you were mentioning, some points moving forward, which is just going to be another element um, to the fight on both sides, pro-life, pro-choice. Do you see this conversation continuing in the Mississippi legislature? Without question, there are going to be um, issues, legal issues as to chemical abortions, as to teledocs, uh, prescribing abortions, as to entities that pay for women to travel out of state and set up, you know, mobile abortion clinics on the state lines. I mean, I've, I've been reading articles in the New York Times and places like that where some, uh, you know, abortion clinics in Colorado want to dispatch mobile abortion clinics to park along the borders of states like ours that will shortly ban abortions to allow women to travel just over the state line to get an abortion at the, you know, the roving abortion clinic. I mean, these are all sorts of questions that we'll be faced with. And I mean, it's, it's too early to ascertain and decipher what all the nuances will be. But yes, this decision, sending abortion decisions back to the 50 states, I think has created a whole panoply of issues that friends like me and Senator Hickman will have to um, argue about, debate about, and, and write legislation about. Senator Hickman, I'm going to have you step in as we continue this uh, topic. What do you think is going to happen in the Mississippi legislature moving forward? Well, you know, I think I think Senator Fillingang kind of nailed it. I think this will these will be ongoing conversations that we will have to have. Uh, there will there will be legislation written and um, debated. But but my hope is, and I do, I believe one of the things that I uh, the reason why I enjoy serving in the Senate so much is I believe that all 52 people in that room on that floor. Uh, want to make Mississippi a better place. We just have different ideas at how to do that. And so I, 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 I am hopeful that while we do have a conservative majority, uh, that somewhere we will meet a point where one side may be happier than the other, uh, but, but that no one is completely devastated and women's rights are not uh, completely uh, obliterated. Um, the one thing that uh, you know, I wanted to say, uh, I think the Senator Villingay made a point. I, I am absolutely, uh, extremely 
uh, uh, pro-choice, but I don't want that to be confused with pro-abortion. Um, and again, I don't, I want us to not paint a picture uh, that there are some evil people who are just trying to kill babies and children. And I think the question still begs, to, uh, I think we still beg the question at, at what point, um, uh, you know, and this has been debated, this is debated all over case law and legislature uh, all around the country. At what point do, do we start, does life begin uh, as early as the egg and the sperm or, you know, even further than that? And, and, and if life begins as early as some of my colleagues will want it to begin, I think we need to ban some other things in this state. Uh, and so we'll be, again, we'll be looking very closely at what's going on. Uh, and, 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 and at the end of the day, my mission and my motive is to make Mississippi a better place, not just for the citizens of District 32, but for everyone in Mississippi. And so I will be looking forward and working hard uh, to try and make Mississippi an equitable place, especially when it comes to healthcare, because I, I mean, we will have, you know, a lot of babies in the state carried to term uh, at this point that, that may not have been prior to these decisions. And we want to make sure they come into a world uh, that's going to make sure they have everything they need. I think we, I think some people fight extremely hard for the life of the unborn, but once that uh, unborn child gets here, uh, the fight kind of stops. And yeah. I think we have to make sure that we continue this fight from the womb to conception and even further than that. And that is what I'll be working on. Those are some things that I'm studying. How can we make Mississippi a better place uh, for children and adults? Because again, some of the traumas and stigmas of a child born into an environment where they weren't wanted uh, carry on even into adulthood. We can't just say, oh, we got them here. We gave the mom uh, 12 months postpartum care and now we're dropping them off. No, some of these things carry on throughout the rest of their life and we need to make sure that we make this a state that's uh, equitable uh, and a state that that provides for or what's needed uh, for children even into adulthood. Yeah, great points there. And so I am curious, Senator Hickman, I do have to know, what is your prediction on what the Mississippi Supreme Court will do with this case? What are your thoughts? <laughs> My <laughs> thoughts are not hopeful. Um, I think that the Mississippi Supreme Court will do what the Mississippi Supreme Court is going to do. Uh, I agree with Senator Fillingham. It is a very conservative court. Um, you know, some would argue, and I'm not saying that I'm one of the some, but some would argue that Mississippi is progressing backwards. Um, and uh, because we are becoming more and more conservative, uh, you know, but, but this is I think Senator Fillingame mentioned this. This is an elected court. It's the will of the people. These these are who they're put there. And one of the things I'm always careful to do and is that I I I reverence and support the systems that are in place. We have uh, systems that are in place. So whatever the court's decision is. Uh, will abide by it. Um, I want. I won't be out in public, you know, uh, demeaning the court because I support this institution and I support the institutions of the state of Mississippi. Uh, and so, I, I think the court will uh, likely overturn the Fordyce case, and they will mirror. Uh, they're, I don't know if we should say superior, but they're upper colleagues in the Supreme Court of the United States and overturning precedent, which I have a whole nother side argument with that I am just, <laughs> you know, I'm not a fan of precedent just being thrown out, whether it's good or bad precedent. Um, I think the people need to know where their courts are going to lean. And I, I think we get into a very, very bad place. And I think any legal person can say this, whether you're conservative 
or whether you are a, a, a progressive or a liberal, that we get into a very bad place when it depends on who's on the court, what the court is going to rule and decide. And, uh, you know, Senator Villegain knows this better than anyone else. I think he was one of the people that said they poised uh, the laws that we were making because they saw the court turning more conservative and different bodies on the court meant a different rule of law. And uh, again, whether we're talking about conservative president or uh, progressive president, I, I, I feel, uh, very strongly that courts should stick to their prior decisions and, and move in that way. Well, I do appreciate uh, time for both of you that you have spent with us here on Local News Live. Of course, we could get into uh, so much more in depth in this conversation. Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Another topic, uh, maybe for another day, because I know both of you um, have some sentiments about that. But again, I appreciate both of you taking the time to join us here in this discussion, because again, uh, this is a conversation that's not ending anytime soon and uh, new information out from the state of Mississippi. So I wanted to, to get the vantage point, to get the viewpoint from both of you and the constituents that you represent in the state of Mississippi. So thank you for joining us. Us and uh, just getting into this conversation because it's not one that's going away. And I wish I could bring both of you up on camera right now, uh, but unfortunately, you know, um, Zoom is little um, has a mind of its own, right? <laughs> so thank you, Senator right. Hickman. We appreciate it. Any last words from you? Uh, thank you, Jessica, for having me on. Um, I absolutely uh, love sharing my uh, viewpoint. Love uh, speaking for. Uh, the people of uh, District 32. I just want to say, as I continue to pivot throughout this conversation, uh, moving forward, I'm going to be working very hard uh, to take this decision for what it is and to move Mississippi forward, uh, which is what I think the people elected me to do. And so uh, while I am a little disheartened at the decision, I'm excited about an opportunity uh, for Mississippi to live out, um, you know, the, the true meaning of being a pro-life state. Uh, and that's kind of direction that, that I'm moving forward in. All for one, Mississippi. Thank you, Senator Higman, for joining us. And Senator Fillingain, any last words uh, from you before we depart the conversation? Well, again, thank you for having me, Jessica. It's been a pleasure being on the panel with Senator Hickman. He's uh, so bright and has a very bright future in Mississippi politics, probably beyond just the state Senate, if, if I'm predicting correctly. So uh, it's always a pleasure to be on with you. And to be on with Senator Hickman, I'm very thankful for the Dobbs decision and very thankful that um, the Chancellor, um, Judge Halford, ruled as she did. And I'm very confident that should it reach the state Supreme Court, as Senator Hickman articulated, I think the chances of success on our six-week ban and our trigger law ban um, being implemented and upheld as constitutional under the state constitution is very, very high. And so we're just thankful that this abortion clinic, the last one in Mississippi, will close shortly. And I look forward to working with Senator Hickman and my other colleagues to make sure that Mississippi is not only a great place to be born, but a great place to live, to work, and raise a family. So that's what our goal, I think, all has to be. And as Senator Hickman so well uh, articulated, we may have different ideas about how to get to that point, but I think we all 52 state senators want Mississippi to be the best place in the country to live, work, and raise a family and to retire. So that's what our goal is. And um, we may have different ideas about how to get there, but we're working hard every day to make sure that that goal is attained. Great words uh, from both Senator Phil and Gain, Senator Hickman joining us on Local News Live. Thank you so much to both of you again uh, for sharing your side of the story. We appreciate it as we debate the issue. Again, abortion rights in Mississippi, a hot topic. And we'll look forward to speaking with you um, as this conversation continues. Thank you to both of you. Thank you.